Okay, let's go ahead and take seats, get coffee, and we'll get started. You should all have in your seat backs, in the pew backs in front of you, if you didn't bring your own, a copy of the Book of Common Prayer, which you will need. I did not make a handout for this because I want your hands on the Book of Common Prayer, because if I'm going to show you where to find things, best way to do that is with a physical hand in your book, or your physical book in your hand, <laughs> that way around. Um, we are going to talk today about the collects of the church, which are the prayers of the church. Um, we're going to talk about what they are, why they're called collects, where they come from to some extent. There are several hundred of them, so don't worry, we're not going to go through all of them. Um, and we're going to um, get a feel for why we use them, how they're used and why we use them. Along the way, what I'm hoping to convey to you, not so much as where you find them or where they are and that type of thing, but why you would want to use them. They are a thing of great beauty and a really tensile strength that can hold you through times of great joy and great troubles. Um, and they have been around, some of them, since the year 400 and something. So these are very, some of them very old, some of them very recent. Um, but I want you to get a feel for how they instruct us to pray and why you would want to use them, um, because they are things of great beauty. Um, we are going to begin today, and I'd like you to turn in your, um, in your Books of Common Prayer to page 621, so 621. And at the top right-hand side, top of page 621, you'll find the thing that says Proper 23. That is our collect for this week. We started praying it last night, Saturday night. We pray it at morning and evening prayer all the way through to next Saturday morning, and we will be praying it in our service today. So you're getting a preview on the service today as we're doing this. So let's pray this together. O oh God, our refuge and strength, true source of all godliness, graciously hear the devout prayers of your church and grant that those things which we ask faithfully, we may obtain effectually through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In praying this, we're joining in with people in the ACNA and other Anglican um, churches around the world. Ideally, we all pray the same collects at the same time. Um, the point of this is, is to have at the churches, the front of our minds, the same thing, so that we can raise our voices together. There are two or three gathered in his name. There may be thousands gathered in his name, but we're praying the same thing. So a collect is kind of a weird word for a prayer. Most people think you read C-O-L-L-E-C-T and you think collect because that's how we pronounce the verb. Collect is the noun form of the verb and it comes from the Latin word colligo, which means to gather. And there are kind of two ways that we see that this term became synonymous with prayer because the Latin form for prayer is not collect, it's oratio. So, when Christians first would gather, they would pray, oratio ad collectum, a prayer at the gathering. So that term collect 
could have come from that. The other way, the other term that we think, or the other thing that we think gave rise to the term of collect, meaning prayer, was after the prayers of the people, who, the people would pray silently. They, the person who was presiding over the service, which we call a president in Anglican talk, um, the person who was presiding over the service would gather up those prayers of the people into one eloquent paragraph. If it was me, it wouldn't necessarily be eloquent, but one eloquent paragraph that would raise that prayer up to God on behalf of the people. It was the collected prayer of the people. So we use this term collect for prayers. All collects are prayers, but not all prayers are collects. So the difference between a prayer that you pray, a prayer that I pray often, oh please Lord, don't let me be late to this meeting. <laughs> the difference between that and a collect is form and structure. So as we're looking at the collects, collects have up to six parts to them. And the prayer that we just prayed has those parts, but I'm going to have you turn in your prayer books to, um, to page 602. And we'll look at, at a prayer that has the parts to them. The very top of the page at 602 is the second Sunday of Epiphany. And I'm going to explain why these prayers are laid out this way in a minute. But I want you to look and catch what the form of them is, or there's a pattern to them. And the pattern is particularly helpful in forming how we pray and why we pray. So the beginning of the, this collect says, Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. That is a classic collect. It has six parts to it. The first part invokes the name of God, Almighty God. It may be O Lord, it may be our Father, but it talks to God. It is rare, but there are colleagues that begin talking to Jesus, but normally they begin talking to God. Almighty God. The second part is an attribute of God. So something that he has promised to us through his word that we can rely on. So, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. The next part is a request. And it, those requests start with words like grant, or hear, or look upon your people, or give, or in the case of the collect of purity, which we'll pray during the service, cleanse. We're asking God for something, relying on the promise that we just stated. Grant that your people illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. So that is our request, our petition. The next part of it is a benefit. Why are we asking for what we're asking for? In my prayer life, I rarely stop and think about why am I asking for what I'm asking for. If I'm asking to not be late to this meeting, it's normally so people don't get upset with me because I was reading and I lost track of time. That's not a benefit. <laughs> it's a benefit kind of to me if they don't get mad. but. The next part of this says that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Benefits often are preceded by the word that. There's your reason for it. The point of asking God to have, help us be illumined by the light of Christ so that we may shine is so that he will be worshipped. So the benefit is going to accrue to God and to us, but it's not just to us. And that helped me as I was learning to pray 
to understand why you would do this. Because when I started learning to pray, I kept thinking, but God already knows what's going to happen. You know, his will be done. He's going to do what he wants to accomplish, and my prayer doesn't mean anything. But there's a line in C.S. Lewis's play, Shadowlands, where he is talking to the, I think it's the dean of Oxford, and he says, I pray and pray and pray. His wife is dying. I pray and pray and pray. Not that God would change, but that he would change me. This is why we're praying. It forms us. It forms our understanding and our relationship with God in a way that we understand that what is good for God is likewise good for us. So we have our benefit here that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. That is something we've been commanded in scripture by God to do. Sorry. Um, so in looking at that benefit, we're understanding why we're praying. And then the fifth part is the mediation. How are we asking for this? Again, we're looking at the promises of God. Jesus promised us that whatever we pray for in his name, he would grant. So we say, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever, amen. The mediator, the way we're getting this is through Jesus. And the sixth part is that all God's people say, amen. It closes the prayer. Um, that is a six-part colic. The simplest of colics have maybe three to four parts to them. Sometimes they swap them around, so they don't go in perfect one to six order. So if you're looking for that, you'll, you might see um, the very next one down, the third Sunday of Advent says, give us grace, O Lord. It starts right away with, <laughs> with its petition um, and, then, and then addresses God. But colics have those parts to them, and it is formative in how we pray. And if you watch what we do there, th during the service, which I'll go through in a little bit, the whole thing is that colic-driven kind of pattern and rhythm to it. And it's, it's something that I find very relaxing as, a, as an Anglican to sit down and listen and follow through and understand this way of approaching God, giving him worship for what he is, giving him our needs, asking him, saying, you know, you've promised me this, this is what I want, this is why I want it and making sure that why I want it is worthy of being asked. And then saying, Jesus has promised this to us, amen. So that is kind of the rhythm of the collects. Um, as you might guess, given the fact that we use the word collect and it comes from the Latin term caligo, these are old. They range in age from, some of the earliest of them in our prayer books come from the 400s and the 600s. Um, of the church. They were in the sacramentary books of Popes Leo, Galatius, Leo and Galatius in the 400s and Pope Gregory the Great in the 600s. They got pulled together into the Serum Missal, which a missal is a, a book that's put out by a bishop that gives every single Sunday your epistle reading, your collect, and your gospel reading so that all the priests in that person's diocese would be reading the same thing. In the 1540s, Archbishop Cranmer, who is part of the English church, then took the Serum Missal, which was in use in England for about 500 years, translated the Latin into English so that people could understand it, and then um, it got bounced back and forth. I, British history in that period of time from the 1540s into the 1660s was a back and forth of who was in charge um, and whether the prayer books were allowed or not allowed and who was being burned at the stake and all of that. So if you like British history, this is a, it's a fabulous time to be reading this stuff. Um, but along the line is, along this portion is this development of a prayer book that will be used by all the people in the time 
in their own language so that they can appropriate it. When Deacon Mary and I were talking about our favorite colleagues, she's like, oh, well, my favorite colleague's this, and I was like, oh, I love this colleague, and then I thought, no, the point of this conversation is to open the book to you so you can have your own favorite collect. <laughs> but, but, um, and I'll share some of mine with you. But, but it's something that as you appropriate them, as you make them your own, that will become how you pray. And it's a very useful, very sweet way of praying. Um, so we have these collects from a very, very long time ago. As I've given you kind of the pattern of them, it may be striking you that you can write a collect. Anybody can write a collect. I've written collects for the prayer chain. If you're on the prayer chain, you will have read some of mine. Mostly I use ones from the prayer book. Um, during the pandemic, there's this guy, Porter Taylor, who um, is a priest, I want to say in ADOTS maybe, um, and he wrote a whole liturgy for the pandemic, and we used some of his collects during the pandemic because they were very appropriate to what we were going through as a people all the way around the world. So. Those are kind of the forms of colics. All colics are prayers, not all prayers are colics, just in the same way that all sonnets are poems, but not all poems are sonnets. So if you, we think through this rhythm and pattern of our prayer life, it's reflected also in our service. So while you have your um, prayer books in front of you, um, I, will, I will show you how we use them on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know if you guys have your bulletins. I meant to ask you to grab one, but if, if not, um, you will see that on the front of it ah, <laughs> is a beautiful design done by Brad Cathy. No. no, not done by Brad Cathy. No. Picked out by Brad Cathy? Oh, done by Sarah Gordon, daughter of Brad Cathy. Um, <laughs> and at the bottom of it, in, in yellow ink, you will see, and that's not the right color of ink, but. Um, but as, I, as you were rapidly grasping, I'm not a graphic designer. Uh, you'll see tw Trinity 17. This is the 17th Sunday after Trinity. And that's important because it tells you where we find our prayers in the prayer book. Um, so starting on page 598, you're going to see the collect for the first Sunday of Advent is the first collect you see. Advent is basically New Year's Day for our church. It's the first, first Sunday of the Christian year. We number our church Sundays from Advent 1, the first Sunday of Advent, through Christ the King Sunday. And then after Christ the King Sunday, we start all over again with Advent 1. And so we're just going flipping back and forth in this prayer book. Um, so the colleagues of the Christian year start with Advent. The first, um, the first one we see here, the first Sunday in Advent, is a prayer that was in the Galatian and Gregorian um, sacramentaries, the popes from the four and six hundreds. Um, and then it was rewritten by Cranmer. And so I want to take a moment as we go through this to just point something out to you. One of the neat things about the collects is that they are very infused by scripture. So the readings for the day, and you will note this beautifully, it's, it timed out well for this talk. Um, we have a three-year lectionary cycle, years A, B, and C. We're in C, and we're coming to the end of C. The next one we're going to hit is A. And in A, the scripture readings align with this collect because they always used to. So the collect says, Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. If you have read Romans anytime recently, the readings for that day are Romans 13, 8 to 14. 
and verse 12 talks about casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. There's a little conversation that goes back and forth between the collects and the scripture readings when they're tied together. One of the great reasons for this is that in, in the times when this was being written, people weren't reading scripture necessarily or weren't reading at all. Um, and it, it helped cement in people's mind if the prayer was, if the scripture reading was that you were to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, the prayer says, give us grace to do that. Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now in the time of this mortal life in which your son Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility. We're talking about Advent. The other reading for the day is Jesus coming into the town and sending his disciples out to get the, the colt that he's going to ride on. He's coming into town as a king, but he's going to become incredibly humble, putting himself on a cross. So you're going to have Advent and Lent kind of tied together as we look forward to the next time. So these colleagues have this conversation going on with the scripture readings of the day, which is very handy if you're preaching, because in Anglican tradition, you have an option of five things that you can preach on on a Sunday. Two readings from the Old Testament, two readings from the New Testament, and the Collect. So if the Collect is busy talking with those things, it's a really nice way to, to tie them together. So um, and the same thing will happen with the second Sunday in Advent. Um, the Holy Scriptures being written for our learning, the, um, and the point being that that would give us hope, patience and endurance and hope. And the reading from Romans, again, talks about patience and endurance and hope. So you've got this interplay going on. So as we look through the colleagues of the Christian year, we're going to see two types of colleagues. One, some are general and some are proper. There aren't improper colleagues, so um, <laughs> or not that we publish any rate. So, um, so we start with Advent. Those are not proper colleagues. They're general because they're not tied to a date. Because Advent's movable. Easter is movable. Christmas is movable. So we don't worry about having a date for those things. We do have a specific, it's specific to the day. But what that day is, we, we're not sure. So we go through the first Sunday of Advent, first Advent 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, we hit Christmas, Christmas Eve, Epiphany season, and then Lent, and then we go through Holy Week. Holy Week slows down. There's a collect for each specific day of Holy Week. Most of these are Sundays, but they're each specific days. Easter Day, again, Easter isn't a fixed date for us, so we don't have a proper date for that. We slow down again in Easter week, the octave following Easter, so we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There's a collect for each of those days. And then we venture into Pentecost, which is on page 614, also known as Whit Sunday. We have two options for the collect on that day. And then we head into the season following Pentecost, which is Trinity season. So on the front of your bulletins, again, it's Trinity 17 this, this um, week. And we look at Trinity Sundays, the first Sunday after Pentecost. And then below that, on page 615, you see proper number one. And you see dates attached to it. The earliest Sunday that proper number one could be is based on the earliest Sunday that Trinity Sunday could be, the week of Sunday from May 8th to May 14th. Sometimes we use that proper and sometimes we don't. It depends entirely on when Trinity Sunday falls. So as we go through, you'll see then proper two, proper three, proper four, proper five. And as we just read on page 621, we go to proper 23, which is the week from October 9th, which happens to be today. Um, we'll have a few more of these 
for proper 23, 24, 25. We hit All Saints Day on November 1st, and then we have through proper 29, which is Christ the King Sunday, end of the year. So if you were putting together the bulletin after the end of the year when you're heading into Advent 1, you flip back a few pages and you find Advent 1, and that's what goes into your bulletins. So now you'll, you have a good preview of, of what you're gonna find in your bulletins on Sunday for each week. Um, the next section of the prayers are for holy days, so the different saints' day prayers. There are prayers for um, ember days and rogation days. Those are days for people in holy orders and days for agriculture and industry. There are commemorative collects. And I'm not going to go through all of those, but I am going to point you towards page 642, which are occasional prayers. There are 125 of them, um, and they're listed out. You can kind of see their order, the church, creation, the nation, specific to Canada, specific to the United States, because this is a book for both Canada and the United States. Um, society, those in need, family and personal life. These are prayers that can be used at any time and in any season and for any reason that is appropriate to you. I would ask you to become familiar with them, largely because when I mentioned before that they have kind of a tensile strength to them that can hold you up, um, Deacon Mary talked last week about these being great prayers when you do not have the words to say. This, this is where you can go for great joy or great sorrow. So um, on page 670, so if you'll turn to that. Um, you have the prayer number 81 for help to bear bereavement. Last week, about a week and a couple days ago now, um, Sean and I lost a close friend of ours. And we had been given notice. She, we weren't expecting her to die, but we'd been given notice a few days before that she was dying. And um, she was one of those people that everybody loved her. And she had a humongous number of friends. And so a group of us were on a text string in there. And for each one of the people on the text stream, myself and everyone else, we were all going individually through a bunch of other stuff with life. You know, it's, it's, we were all at the point before this happened where one more thing, you know, like we couldn't do it. <laughs> and, so, um, and so I put this prayer into the text stream. And it says, Heavenly Father, help us to entrust our loved ones to your care. Though sorrow darkens our lives, help us to look up to you, remembering the cloud of witnesses by which we are surrounded, and grant that we on earth, rejoicing ever in your presence, may share with them the rest and peace which your presence gives through Jesus Christ our Lord. That was a very helpful prayer to have with us as we were waiting for her to die. It was really sweet. It was it's really hard, but it was really sweet. The one that follows it, the prayer for quiet confidence. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning and rest we shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy Holy Spirit, by the by the might of thy Spirit, lift us, we pray thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that thou art God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Those two prayers carried me through last week. I cannot tell you how often I flipped through this book and went, oh, this is handy, oh, this is helpful, oh, this will, this will carry me, because I don't have the words to say. If something is, is small, I can come up with words. If something's big, I have a harder time with that. So I would push you to the occasional prayers um, for help, just on a general basis. 
Now, um, that's where you find the prayers in your prayer book. Where do we use them on a daily and weekly basis? Again, take your prayer books and flip to page 11, which is daily morning prayer. And I'm just going to do a quick skim, because I know you did morning and evening prayer last week, um, of where we use these collects. Anglican, uh, the Anglican daily offices are something that clergy are required to pray morning and evening, and laity are encouraged to pray. And I cannot encourage you enough to pick one of them and pray it. I have a girlfriend who gave me a magnet years ago that said a day hemmed in prayer is less likely to unravel. It doesn't mean your day won't unravel, but it might not unravel completely um, if you're praying. So, um, so in morning prayer, we go through um, the lectionary series of readings, the series of prescribed prayers, and then as we get into sorry, uh, page 22, you'll see right smack in the middle of 22, the collect for the day. So remember when I said we prayed the prayer that we just prayed to start this off? starting Saturday evening and going through Sunday morning, that collect of the day is prayed every day, twice a day, throughout the week. And then on Sunday evening, we'll do the next one. We'll do proper 24, Sunday, Saturday evening, because the Sabbath starts Saturday evening, and goes through to the next Saturday morning. So we have this rhythm of prayer. Then you have a series of um, collects to pray. The, the, prayer book has separated out into Sunday to Saturday prayers to pray. The tradition is that you pray the prayer of peace for both morning and evening prayer. Um, keeping in mind that this is a very, very old tradition. At the point at which it started, nighttime and daytime, you were praying two different prayers. At night, you were praying th to, for God to protect you, the collect, the aid against all perils. In the morning, you were praying Thanksgiving that he brought you in safety to this new day because night was really, quite frankly, very scary and very dark. So you pray the collect for, or Anglicans would pray the collect for peace both at morning and at evening prayer. And they would pray the collect for grace, which is the prayer in the middle of page 23, the collect for grace. They have us um, praying it on Wednesday, but this is that almighty God, or, or Lord, our heavenly Father, you have brought us in safety to the beginning of this day. And you can see why you would pray this um, going forward. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, a really classic collect that starts out your day by saying, keep us in your way and help us. And then as you flip into evening prayer, um, midday prayer and then there's evening prayer and as you look on page 49 you'll again see the collect of the day and the collect for peace and then the collect which they have you read on Mondays um, I'm as you can maybe tell from this I'm not a fan of, of this route in the 2019 <laughs> so, so I, I like the old way of doing things because I'm old um, but the colleague for aid against perils um, in the evening lighten our darkness we beseech you O Lord and by your great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of your only son our Savior Jesus Christ amen that is a colleague for protection in the evening so you have the back and forth conversation, asking for peace, asking for grace, asking for protection, all the things that we as human beings just need. You know, it's a very human need to not be afraid. 
and we're asking the only person in whom we can actually find safety, regardless of what happens to our bodies. We're asking God to hold our souls, and we ask him for strength, and we ask him for healing, and we ask him for protection, we ask him for all these things, trusting that that's what he's wanting to give us. In the collect, um, or in the prayer that we pray, the prayer of humble access, we pray to a God whose, whose character is to always have mercy. That's another one of those, that's probably my favorite prayer of all of the prayers that we pray. Um, because it rightly pl places us before a God to whom we can confess our sins and to whom we can throw ourselves and who will have mercy. So, um, so that's morning and evening prayer. Then we're going to move into our service, and you'll start to recognize the patterns of this of the collect. Hopefully, you'll you'll pick up on the fact that this is kind of how we are doing things as we go. We start out with the collect for purity, which is an 11th century collect, um, and again, it's a fairly classical one. Almighty God, the invocation to you, all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you, no secrets are hidden. That's His character. That's His attribute. Then we ask him, we petition, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Then the reason that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. The mediation through Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray that at the beginning. It's a preparatory collect. It prepares us for worship. It places us in the right place. There are people who view it as being penitential, and it has a kind of flavor to that. But I view it as being preparatory, and I think it is something that that just says, you know me inside and out. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You know every hair on my head. Cleanse the thoughts of my hearts that I may be prepared to worthily magnify your name. That is, that's the point of coming together in worship, to be ready to go. And then, um, oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Um, that is page 124. And if you look in your bulletins as well, um, you're going to see um, the, the BCP numbers are labeled in here. Um, so if you look on the first page of your bulletin, the Collect for Purity is right here, and the page that goes along with it is there, um, so that you don't necessarily need to have your, um, your prayer, you can do your prayer book or bulletin. Um, so then as we go through our service, we have the Collect for Purity, and then the next place we're going to see a Collect um, we'll have the Collect for Purity, we'll have the Collect of the Day, which is on page 125. Um, and then if you flip over to page 129, we have the Prayers of the People on 128 and 129. And then after that, the celebrant concludes with this or some other appropriate Collect. So they give us the Collect, Heavenly Father, grant these our prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, etc. Sometimes, and you'll probably hear this next Sunday, um, Father James or Father Rob might read a collect from during the week. On October 18th, it's the feast day of St. Luke. There's a collect for the feast day of St. Luke. And so often the celebrant will read that collect in place of the collect that's in your prayer book. Um, so just to give you a heads up that that might be coming next week. Or not, I don't know, but, but that's, uh, that's not uncommon. Um, then we, um, we kneel and confess. On page 130... Um, you see the, the blessing that the priest, bishop or priest says. Um, this is again in collect form. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him. 
That is the thing that we're hoping for. That's the attribute of God that we're relying on when we ask him to have mercy on us. He is this, we want this, um, to pardon and deliver you from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and bring us to everlasting life. That's the hope. That's the reason that we're praying. So there's that kind of collect language in the prayer of absolution. And then the, the other thing that I find kind of interesting um, is when you look at the prayer of humble access, which also has that, that portion of um, the um, nature of a collect. When you look at communion um, and the, um, what happens when the priest is consecrating the um, communion, um, let's see if it's, sorry. Okay, um, on page 132, toward the bottom you see the prayer of consecration. This is really long, but it also follows the form of a collect. Um, the priest begins, and this is as he's standing over blessing communion. Holy and gracious Father, there's the invocation. In your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your son, Jesus Christ. The, the priest then goes through and kind of recites exactly why we have our faith in this. How Jesus came, how he became flesh, how he dwelt amongst us, offering himself up for us what he did in his resurrection, runs through what happens at the Lord's Supper, and um, we proclaim the mystery of faith, and then as we hit page 134 at the top, after reciting what God is and what he does and what he's capable of and what he's done for us, we ask him to sanctify these gifts by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and to sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him that he may dwell in us and we in him and in the fullness of time put things under subjection to your Christ and bring us with your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. That's the request. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Again, it's that kind of rhythm of the collect. This is who you are. This is what we trust in. This is what we're asking of you so that we can see you face to face. Ultimately, that's our desire is to be with him in heaven. And until we get to that point to bring in the kingdom, our job is to be here, to be faithful, to be asking to be filled with grace so that Jesus Christ may shine through us, so that we may preach to all the ends of the earth. And the only way do we do that is through the power of Jesus. That's, that's the only way it can be done. And these are the things that we ask in varying ways in our colleagues across the year. So those are the colleagues, um, and we're doing fairly well on time. I don't know if there are any questions. I'm happy to answer questions, but, um, but if not, I'll let you just look at your prayer books and see which colleagues you like. Any thoughts or questions? Yeah, Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yes, <laughs> and it does appeal to me. <laughs> I, I was talking to Father James this week, and I, I said something. We were talking about um, convention, I want to say, and who's going and blah, blah, blah. And I said, we're doing this, we're doing this. And he said, cool cook. And he meant to say, cool, cool. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm a cook. <laughs> Nobody calls me cool, but, but I'll take it for once. You know? <laughs> um, but, but that is very much what it is. They are dense and richly packed and incredibly flavorful. I'm a, I'm a fan with you, yeah. So, anything else? Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for um, being here and for listening attentively. And, uh, and then, I don't know who is on next week, but it will be good. Thank you.